What's going on, everybody? Thanks for checking out this episode of The Show, The Podcast. Be sure to leave a five-star review, and I'll shout you out in the next episode. But right now, it's time to take the field. What's going on, everybody? What's going on? This is Kenny, and if you're on YouTube, you can see someone right next to me who's not usually here. Uh, my guy Serenity is here, CCL runner-up, unfortunately, but one hell of a showing he showed us. Uh, this is episode 13 of the show, the podcast, and I'm really, really happy to be joined by Serenity. What's going on, man? Hey, not much, man. Yeah, unfortunate <laughs> we came up short, but hey, it was a blast. It was a great series, so I'm hoping, I hope everyone enjoyed it. I will say selfishly, when me and you locked down that you were going to be on here, I was rooting for you to win the whole time. Cause I was like, yes, let's get the CCL winner on the pod. Um, but the runner up, I mean, <laughs> you know, movie may have gotten the best of you in that series. In those last two games, I think even you were maybe a little surprised at how much, how much he adjusted from that first game, but dude, you were hitting the cover off the ball the entire season. Yeah. <laughs> um, I guess the, the logical place to start is take me from the high of game one when you just were shitting on every pitch to game two and three, which were a little more of a struggle for you. Yeah, so game one, I think the, I think the thing I kind of let go of was the fact that movie used his worst pitchers in game one. He didn't use anybody – too good. He didn't use hit like Wagner, Gagne, Sale, and everyone else he saved for game two or three. And I was able, because of that, I was able to just score so many runs and PCI obviously was bigger and yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think, you know, going into game two, I was so confident, uh, but I also was aware because he, he picks Kauffman Stadium because, uh, you know, in a real super competitive format, like, yeah, there's money on the line, but we're also trying to have fun, you know? So, Picking stadiums like ship it for the entire series that everyone you see all year is kind of mm-hmm. lame, you know, personally. And y- yeah, it would be fun because I think me and movie would put up like 40 runs and ship <laughs> it. <laughs> uh, I think it's just cool to be in a, like an actual MLB environment because, you know, this is how real life has been going. Uh, but that's kind of sidetracking. Kaufman is probably one of the worst stadiums to play in. in oh, MLB it's terrible. It's terrible. Yeah, because everything just dies. Like, Rogers Center, like, it actually played surprisingly well for me the entire season, which is why I kept going to it. Uh, but Kauffman Stadium, I was aware because I watched a movie in Healy's series because in game three, Healy had a lot of balls die at the warning track. That probably, like, because he scored, I think movie scored uh, five to six runs later in the game. That kind of mm-hmm. just, just put Healy out of it. And, you know, that on top of, everything is dying it's like a huge confidence uh destroyer and i kind of knew that going into the game but i did not think i was going to only score two runs <laughs> off of 40 pitches of eric gagne that is basically what i you know got in my head the entire game and uh I, I ended up scoring like six or seven runs in the latter half of the game which made it close which is mm-hmm. why i was still confident going into game three uh but Losing by one run in game two really, really hurt because obviously what happened in game three, but um, I just think at that point I was, I was, I knew I was upset with myself because I knew I could hit better, but I was also, cause I was aware of it and aware of what I did wrong. But I think just carrying it over 
and to game three and then there's so much pressure on the line and I mean I think the amount of people there also in the chat flowing you know every second is also like nerve-wracking yeah I won't say I won't I'm not gonna I'm not gonna use it as an excuse but I've never had like a concurrent 1.7 thousand people in my chat which but I think the chat was popping that night yeah the yeah. chat was flying and there was a bunch of trolls and whatnot and that's normal but I I definitely think that might have affected me a little bit game three because I was so nervous I was so tense and mm -hmm. everything every little mistake I would do I would just comment on it and I just couldn't I couldn't do that and uh, I think another factor of me being nervous was I was late on half the fastballs I saw yeah when that is usually not the case but it wasn't like game two where I was late and not on it I was on every pitch but I was late and I think that I mean, I mean, if if I get like just half of those swings to be good lates, maybe it's probably a whole different ball game and whatnot. But I think uh, I think I also made some decisions that pitching wise that kind of killed me. But hey, it is what it is, man. Like me and Movie have been uh, great friends for pretty, I think, four years now. Uh, and I wouldn't have been mad at all if he won, and he did. He did, you know. Like mm -hmm. it's great, you know. I will say. I thought his bullpen game strategy was really well executed. Yeah. Um, you know, not only is he trotting Eric Gagne and 99 Billy Wagner out there, he's running them into the ground. And, yeah. I mean, see, you and I are on a very different level as far as gameplay goes. If I score two runs off Gagne and 40 pitches, I'm, I'm celebrating. Because, <laughs> you know, Gagne and Wagner, whether it's 94 Wagner or 99 Wagner, doesn't matter. Their deliveries throw me off more than their pitches. I just think there's something about the way they release the ball that throws me off. And then with Gagne, you're going to go from 98-99 to that 68-mile-an-hour roller. And if you're sitting fastball, you're screwed on that pitch. Mm -hmm. um, I guess specifically when it comes to pitchers like that, are you more focused on pitch speed or are you focused on, like, as a hitter, are you trying to time it up or are you just trying to follow the ball? Like, how do you go about that? Uh, so, for the most part, when I'm hitting, I try to uh, just – look at the release point and then kind of just immediately react that way so i at least for game three this is kind of like a good point because i for some reason this year i have not performed well ever against chris sale and no one really mm -hmm. uses him because he's so expensive and whatnot and movie loves him movie can locate any pitch like in the game it was unreal yeah he was he dotting was everything real like yeah. he and i commented on it multiple times because i was just amazed like he even after giving up a really hard hit or a really or like a four pitch walk or something like that, which happened multiple times, he just immediately went back to dotting that outside corner with a fastball, like not like barely inside. No, it was right on the black. Mm -hmm. And I was just shocked because I sat for four hours, four hours before <laughs> the game in custom practice against Chris Sale. I modified him everything to be what the 99 Chris Sale was. And I sat there for four hours and I've had a, I thought I had a perfect game plan because Chris sale has this little funky motion, right? Where he comes from the side. Yep. Kind of. And, and he steps almost toward first base more. So it's coming like a whip across. Yeah. Yeah. So I was watching when I, cause I struck, I noticed I, I struggled with like lefties like Babe Ruth and Yelich when he had that sidearm because it was coming from the side where it looks like it's almost going to hit him, mm -hmm. but it's going inside. So I, I figured, cause I usually look at like the release point or to the like upper right, I guess area of the strike zone would be where a lefty is. 
uh, but I was just looking at the entire side of the strike zone. So like the black, because yeah. that is where his release point was. And then it would go either to the left or it would go in. And I thought I had the perfect strategy like that, but I mean, I kind of did. I was just late on everything. Like I said, prior, but I mean, Chris Sale was tough. I mean, everything he did after game one was just flawless execution. I mean, mm-hmm. he couldn't have asked for any, any better pitching against a guy like me, you know? Like, I put up a 447 average in the regular season, and just to shut me down like that, and, like, eight runs and five runs in game two and game three may not seem like shutting down, but, I mean, if you ask anybody else in the league, they probably say the same thing. That movie just flawlessly executed everything after that. I will say what I was so impressed with Chris Sale, the way he used him. Obviously, like you said, you practice for hours and hours and hours. You know the zone. It's not new to you. And he is throwing – I feel like every single right-hander, the first pitch of the at-bat was the same fastball in the same spot away. And you Mm -hmm. took it almost every time because it looked outside, but it was the most perfect pitch on the black. Exactly. Yeah, I couldn't say any better. That's exactly what I thought in the box. And he just – I he just dotted my soul away. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, and, you know, eight runs and five runs, like you said, it doesn't seem like shutting down. But I also think you have to look at hit totals. There were games mm-hmm. when you were dropping f- at least 15-plus hits with regularity, and I think that was more indicative of how well he was pitching because you weren't just stringing together multiple hits an inning. You had to get one on and hit it over the wall. It was mm-hmm. very different. Exactly. Uh, speaking of like situations where movie, I think flawlessly executed, um, it was the, I forget what inning it was. I think it was the bottom of the seventh or the eighth of game three. And I had the bases loaded with Tatis up at the plate. I couldn't have asked for a better at bat. He had prestige. I think it was prestige make, oh, no, sorry, prestige Mo in. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I've, I've seen Mo well, like Mo has been like, one of those high relievers that, I mean, I usually hit really well. Like in game two, I scored three to four runs off of Mo when he came in. Yeah. You had his number when he came in that game. Yeah. Yeah. And I missed, I think uh, it was either strike one or strike two where he threw, he made a mistake and I missed it. It was a cutter, I think right down the middle Mm -hmm. and I was a barrier below it. And I was kind of early. I think if I remember correctly, I could, I could go back and watch, but I don't want to do that to myself. <laughs> uh, but uh, I think it ended up, the final count ended up being like 2-2 two, two or 3-2. Three, two, and he just threw the, more, I think the best cutter in that situation, I don't think anyone's ever thrown. And he was just right on the outside, a little bit outside to where it probably would have been a ball, but just enough inside to where you probably have to swing at it because yeah. it might be a strike. And he just, he I, I have nothing to say to that. I mean, it, I had the swing and I mm. swung, I swung right through it. And I think if you go back and the, you know, you see my reaction and in, in the chat as well, I mean, everyone's like, wow, what a pitch. And I mean, that's just, that's just what movie does, man. I just, I had no answer for that. When it comes to the CCL as a whole, um, I know you guys at least early on worked through several iterations of the lineup building rules. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was trial and error. It was the first time anyone had ever done something like this with SDS on this scale. So mm-hmm. with the way the rosters ended up constructing themselves with the overall cap that was in place and everyone had to be at least a silver, what was your strategy for putting this together and staying within, what was it, 90 overall, I think was the threshold? Yeah. So how did you guys, or how did you specifically kind of, you know, navigate that? For me, I tried to play to my strength. So naturally I built the 
uh, probably try to put the best players on offense I could while also like having some low overall guys in there and also having a decent pitching staff to where I can maybe give up like six to eight runs to these guys and, you know, out hit them and score them and win still. Uh, so um, that was my strategy for the regular season. And then when the postseason came, I changed my strategy up a bit. Cause I think in the regular season, I had two diamond starters and three golds. And then I had, um, I think two diamond relievers, two golds and like two silver, no, three golds and two silvers. Mm-hmm. I changed my strategy up a bit because I knew I had like, this is like, we're not, we're not playing for money. All of us aren't playing for money, but that is what's at skate. Stay, uh, stay. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, state. It, I, I Steak. Don't know, English. Yeah, English. I got you. You're good. <laughs> uh, that's what's on the line, pretty much. And you know, you know, I mean, for me, winning money means a lot more than probably everyone else in the league because they're a lot older than me, and I'm only 17 and whatnot. So I think you know, it'd be cool to go for the prize. And obviously, not everyone. We actually didn't know about the championship belt until the semifinals. And that's a good looking belt. Yeah, that's yeah. a beauty. I can't wait to see movie uh, rock that in the setup, but uh, that would have been cool to win. But uh, I changed my strategy a bit because I knew on pin my pitching sucked. I mean, it showed. And my stats had a, I had a nine point seven three ERA. I yeah, but scoring uh, 15, 16 runs a game, so yeah, it was fine. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I outscored everybody by thirty runs, but I also gave up one hundred and twenty nine runs or something like that. Yeah. Uh, but so I knew I had to get at least a little better on the pitching side because. So from here on out, all eight teams could hit. I mean, there's no denying that. So I had to put uh, my best pitcher all year. I had Gold Hershiser in. I put in the Prestige Hershiser. I had uh, Lighter up until the World Series. I also had Paxton up until the World Series. And, you know, some of them worked out. Some of them didn't. Like, Al Lighter has been my best pitcher all year in, like, normal DD. But when I used him in the custom league, he was getting destroyed. So I had to take him out. And my whole strategy in the World Series was kind of different because movie had eight righties. And that is not something you usually see. No, never. Uh, well, not for, I, I hit better with lefties in general for some reason. I don't know why. So I would never have that in my lineup. Yeah, so it, it's, it's kind of weird. You don't usually, especially like a, a, a guy of movie's caliber, you don't usually see eight righties in a row. Like, because you, you usually think that's a disadvantage, but most of those guys had better splits against righties. And they still also had good splits against lefties. So, uh, movie just kind of played for swing. And he had guys like Trey Mancini. Even he had, he had the live series of Mancini in there until, I think, around the semifinals or the World Series where then he used the uh, face of the franchise. Uh, he destroyed with that Mancini. He had Teo, live series Teoscar Hernandez, who he just destroyed with. He had um, Hornsby, who was a horrible defender, but an amazing hitter for him, like, and then he also had live series Gary Sanchez in there for a bit, who has mm-hmm. like 30 contact. And he, now he also told, I think he told me uh, that he had those guys in there, like Sano and Sanchez, who had such low contact before, so that when he would go to like the higher contact guys for later on, he'd have like more accuracy in the, you know, for the PCI. I but guess it's kind of like the same strategy as like using a donut on a baseball bat. You know, yeah. you change the weight and you get accustomed to the speed. I, that makes some sense. I never would have thought of it that way. Yeah, and I I actually didn't think about that, and I thought that was a really good strategy. But, uh, and you know, in the end, you don't just go with, like, the whole meta of, like, having a good lineup because what, that's what kind of what I try to do. I try to have uh, multiple switch hitters, lefties, and righties to where I can have a lineup construction where in an inning I wouldn't have a disadvantage in any at-bat or maybe only one at-bat. 
Mm-hmm. Like if I had, I think it was Yelich Grandal. No, no, no. It was how did I order go? Hold on. I wanna, I wanna, <laughs> I wanna find this because I wanna make, I wanna make sure I get the point across. Uh, here it is. Okay, so I had a. Uh, and in and, and I had Babe Ruth, Tatis, Grandal. Uh, even though Tatis has bit low, like worse splits against lefties, he can still obviously you'd have the favor in there that matchup because you know you, you can see the ball better. Yeah. Um, and and then even if you brought in a lefty for Babe Ruth, you know Ruth destroys lefties as well. But if he ended up going to that the one two three, Grandal has better splits against lefties. So it's uh it's kind of just like a flip flop. That's kind of what I try to do. Uh, and, you know, it's also the same case in game three in the lower half of my lineup. I had Yelich, Santana, Edwin. Yelich is obviously a lefty. Santana is a switch hitter who hits lefties better. And then Edwin hits both sides pretty well. So, like, it's – I mean, it worked for the entirety of the season, but whatever movie did work. <laughs> uh, so, CCL moving forward. I think, you know, this was a massive success both for you guys as content creators – uh, viewers on Twitch were getting packs from it, which might initially have been why they tuned in, but I think they really got invested. At least I know I got very invested in it. So that got people very interested in the game. Moving forward, again, as someone who obviously did not play in the CCL, I think right, we should preface it with this. I think the DH is the best thing in the world in real baseball. I think it should be universal. Mm-hmm. I think – for a league like this, because you have a bench that ends up being non-existent, like you hardly ever go to your bench, I think pitchers should hit in the CCL. That's fair. Do, you, do you agree, disagree? I mean, your bench was never used, really. So what yeah. was the point of having it there? They were just placeholders to bring your overall down. I don't know. What do you think? That's, that's definitely very fair. I think you could definitely have a more uh, thought-out roster mm-hmm. when you do that and more strategy involved because – I mean, let's, let's face it. I mean, that's kind of the same case in real life to some some extent. Yeah. Um, it just ends up being when you're watched in real life, you don't find any fun in watching a pitcher hit, <laughs> then you do a DH because offense, you know. Uh, but I believe we actually – we voted on, uh, uh, you know, like rules before we started and, you know, what everyone thought and what the majority wanted to do. And I believe I, – I forgot what I did. I think I voted for DH just because my whole th- – thought process was let's bring everybody the offense you know let's see mm-hmm. let's br- make 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 a show out of every game because um you just want to have a blast and you know maybe you know put up like scores like me and yayo put up <laughs> I, I scored 26 runs and he scored 15 and he lost so the wild games <laughs> i mean so you hit the cover off the ball and yayo is probably number two or three as far as guys who rake so and yeah that's basically why i like the dh strategy but Going forward, I think if you, if we definitely, if we get more people involved and we, because I, I know everyone in the league wants to do that, um, but obviously there's complications and small little things that goes into every decision that mm-hmm. business people do. Um, I, I think, uh, I think the perfect way to do it would be to do it in the beginning of the year next year. Uh, as soon as 21 comes out, or well, maybe not as soon as 21 comes out, like maybe like a month or two into the game. So people get cards and whatnot, like maybe two, three months, uh, because we started around, I think, August, uh, which is, you know, honestly, it's not a bad timing. Maybe, maybe like May or June would be too early. Like maybe like a, maybe like the same thing, like July, August, because kind of what I was thinking is like earlier in the game cycle, a lot more people were probably tuning in. Uh, we had a lot of people tune in for uh, 
it being in October. So, I mean, I couldn't, I could not imagine what the amount of people we would see uh, watch the CCL as a whole in like May or June, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think, I mean, starting it when they did obviously lined up with that postseason feel in October, but mm-hmm. at the same time, you're now asking viewers to pick between the actual baseball games and then your games on Twitch. So there might've been some people lost to that. Yeah. Okay. I know I saw some comments every now and then be like, why, why, why can't you do this? Like, at a different time like game seven's on or like game six is on like you know even like basketball terms like the final like with the way this year went obviously it'd be different like you know normal season but the finals were played uh really late in the year this year and that mm-hmm. was uh during i think the semifinals, and there was like people saying like why can't you do this you know <laughs> game six is on game six uh game five is on like i mean I, I definitely feel for that you know as a viewer of uh, you know, baseball and sports in general, like I want to watch those games. Like it's the championship, but it's kind of hard uh, to schedule around it, especially when you have uh, 15 other people and we had to schedule like two to three games a week and we had to make schedules line up and it, it's, it's kind of hard. And, you know, yeah. to that point, it'd also be really hard and probably a lot, uh, a lot longer of a season. Uh, if we had to have like, if we added more people, like even just, a group of people not like all 30 all 30 teams it would probably take months because uh the process is just like it's 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 like in theory it's kind of easy because you just talk to your people and we just schedule with everybody individually but it's uh it's, it's kind of rough especially like i was going back in the school uh in september and then everyone else has you know families and whatnot so that's kind of a thing that needs to be uh, tweaked, tweaked out a bit, but. Mm-hmm. And as far as um, the way custom leagues play compared to online play, I know is far different. Um, everyone was saying it plays a lot smoother. It's a little more intuitive. I know pitcher energy, energy is an entirely different animal. It just, it never goes away. It feels like, and mm-hmm. that's why Billy Wagner is able to go five innings or whatever it was against you. Um, yeah. But as far as the, the custom league difference, does that, put away some of the issues that the game has had you know like when we play online you can complain about little things almost Mm -hmm. every game just you know late hits or plays at the wall base running things like that were those eliminated in the custom league format or not really i mean i think there was a diff there's definitely a noticeable difference like you know first of all hitting is just way more rewarding and obviously you can tell from like certain games like me and yayo's game uh, and practically every game because most of the games in the playoffs were played in MLB stadiums. And if those games were probably, if we played in DD, I could probably assure you that the scores would not be the same because it would probably be way worse to play. Uh, just, I mean, maybe just a lot more issues. I mean, no, you don't really know that uh, until you do it, but like small issues like uh, fielding and whatnot were still kind of there at times. Uh, but hitting, I think the main thing, hitting as a whole was just so, so much more rewarding because I believe custom leagues isn't really affected by patches too much. Okay. Like, at least hitting terms. I'm, 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 I may not know exactly because it's not a thing I, I'm 100% sure of, but that's just why everyone says like mm-hmm. the hit custom league is, is just, and it kind of, you can kind of believe it just based off how it plays. Because uh, I think in one game, I think, I mean, obviously it's still the Yayo game. Um, Good thing. It's a good reference point for hitting. <laughs> Babe Ruth went five for six and had four homers. And 
I think two of those homers were balls like so far to the left side of the zone pulled early because we were playing and ship it. But like it, it just tells you just how much more rewarding the mode is as a whole compared to online. Because I guarantee that same type of swing, it may go out, you know, because early is great this year. Yeah. Uh, but it probably doesn't, you know. It's this. It's a thing that's kind of hard to test until you get the same exact situation and same exact. Uh, what's the word? Uh, teams and whatnot. You know, mm-hmm. it's kind of tough. But as, as a whole, custom leagues definitely play way better than online. I can definitely say that. Because of that, do you think? You know, I I thought Hall of Fame was the appropriate difficulty to play on, but because it plays smoother, do you think Legend would have also gone okay, or or is Hall of Fame the play? Uh, I think. I think Legend may have been a bit too difficult for most in the league. I have actually played a lot on Legend this year in Diamond Dynasty, so I personally would not have had a problem with it. But we had uh, some people who don't actually play a whole, like, hardcore Diamond Dynasty like everyone else does this mm-hmm. year. Uh, and uh, Because Finn for the win is mostly a franchise guy. Um, and uh, I know Ashley. Ashley, it was her first year ever playing. It was her first year uh, getting into Diamond Dynasty and whatnot, and mm-hmm. she did great. I mean, yeah, I thought it was awesome that she was included. I thought it was yeah, great. Like, she was super positive about everything. She was just a joy to watch, and she put up, uh, you know, she had some really good competitive games. Like, she had like 10, 11 hits against me, and I think she only scored two, like one to three runs, which, you know, getting them in, driving them in, but she had hits. And I think a lot of people, you know, it kind of sucked because, you know, everyone received hate, but. You know, everyone just looked at her record and was like, "Oh my gosh, he sucks." But she had she did great, man. She did great for uh, her first year playing, and she had really competitive games. I think she held movie to three runs or something like that, if I remember correctly. And that's really impressive. I mean, I, I don't know about you, but I, I think I think she did a great job. Yeah, I mean, I think obviously I've never interacted with her, so I don't know. I know she's a mega fan of baseball, so I think yeah. that's great. But I also. I mean this in the nicest way possible. She stepped into an unwinnable situation, but fought her ass off and proved, even though, like you said, the record wasn't great, she belonged in that league. Like, she did everything. Were there people who got left out of the league? Of course. Do we know why maybe some of them got out of the league? Who's to say? Mm -hmm. I know there are certainly reasons. You know, SDS does things on purpose. They don't just forget people. Um, yeah, they don't. <laughs> and I think part of the reason that people like Ashley unfortunately got some of that backlash was because Ashley is not one of those people who got left out. Yeah. So it's not fair to her at all. But I, no. I think she had the correct attitude, and I think she played as, as well as she could. And like you said, she had some – I don't know if surprises are the right way to put it because that short changes her, but mm-hmm. you know, she opened some eyes. Yeah, she definitely did. And you know, she's played a lot of Diamond Dynasty this year, and she's grown herself as a channel as a whole – it partnership and whatnot and has a lot of eyes on her and she's she's done a great job this year as a whole i mean she's i, mean, I can't say more nothing more po- positive things about her and talking about some other people in the league i know you have interacted with at least most of them uh just before this league even started but have you maybe gotten closer to some of these people who you didn't really interact with prior to the league starting yeah for sure i i knew pretty much everybody in the league uh and i will say uh the only couple people I didn't uh, have so many exchanges with prior or haven't talked to a lot, I guess is probably the proper words to say uh, were Finn, Ashley and uh, ransom. But mm-hmm. over time, you know, we, 
we've been in each other's chats and, you know, had a lot of great communication and conversations. So, um, I mean, I think having more people would just make it even better, you know, get bring a lot more people close together and everyone else, you know, like Shelfie, Coogs, Healy, Twin, Movie, Paul, uh, Scuffy, et cetera, Yayo. Uh, I might've missed a name or two there, but um, we've all been friends for well over a couple of years now. And cause I remember, you know, meeting Shelfie and Coogs in the, the show 16 when they both had like less than 10,000 subs and whatnot. And, and you know, it's, it's crazy, man. You know, just being a part of a league where, uh, you know, you consider pretty much everyone friends and, you know, just having a blast and just, you know, putting up the show and it's, it's great, man. It was great. And that's going to conclude our CCL portion of the show. Uh, we're going to talk a little more with Serenity about just personal stuff. Not, not crazy personal stuff, but more like his likes. I know he's a big Mariners guy, things like that. Uh, but before we do, we're going to hear from our friends of, of the show at Thrive Fantasy. Uh, very excited, as always, to be working with Thrive Fantasy. It's a daily fantasy sports app based on player props. By the way, we're recording on a Sunday for NFL season. I played today not making money currently. So make better decisions than I do. But Thrive Fantasy has eliminated the need to do countless hours of research like other DFS apps because it only asks you about the top-tier athletes in a respective sport. To play MLB games, you got the World Series coming up, so you can still play MLB games. But right now, more importantly, NFL games on Thrive Fantasy. Choose five out of the ten player prop options to build your lineup. Each prop has a fantasy point total associated with the over or under based on how likely it is to occur. The more points a selection is worth, the riskier it is. Rack up the most points possible to win a share of the prize pool. If you're looking to play games and win some money, use promo code THESHOWTHEPOD when you sign up for Thrive Fantasy today, and you will receive an instant bonus of up to $50. Thrive Fantasy is matching your initial deposit of $50 or less. So download Thrive Fantasy on the App Store or Play Store, or by going online to www.thrivefantasy.com. Sign up and prop up today. Um, yeah, so like I said, I've been not winning money in NFL, so just make, <laughs> make better decisions than I do. It's amazing how smart the people at Vegas are. They know the over-unders. Right. Like, it's, it's unreal. Um, <laughs> but back to why we're here today. So you mentioned before you're 17, man, and mm-hmm. you're one of the best in the world at this game, obviously. And you're balancing being a high school senior, which is not easy in general. And now it's, it's COVID. So mm-hmm. everything's different for you. I guess, what has it been like balancing Twitch, CCL, MLB, the show, all these things with still focusing on the very important schoolwork that obviously that you're doing? Uh, I, I mean, with the way it is this year, it's been kind of stressful. I'm not going to lie. Because, <laughs> uh, at least to me, I don't know if anyone watching who is also in school currently feels the same way, but it's uh, online. It, it feels like you're not really learning anything, at least to me. And it, it feels like I'm just turning in work and, you know, just to do it. And sometimes lose interest doing that. So it's been kind of hard to keep up with, you know, the amount of work I have had do to end, you know, streaming and the CCL and, um, I've, I've, I've already put, you know, a, a stream or two just aside, you know, the past two weeks to, uh, you know, work on schoolwork and whatnot. And I'm still have some things to catch up on. And <laughs> actually, I honestly don't know if I'm going to be streaming today because of that. Um, so, I mean, obviously priorities are school first, but, mm-hmm. um, I, I don't want to, cause like in streaming, it's, it's kind of hard because streaming, um, 
I think it's different. It's a lot, it's a lot different than YouTube. You're, you're a little bit more flexible to miss a day or two um, while you're trying to grow and, you know, just have fun and have a consistent platform. Uh, but it's also just, you just want to avoid that obviously at all costs because, you know, it could hurt you. But um, I think, I think, okay, is, you know, you, usually like days that take off for me are usually like uh, ESL days. Cause I know they're doing uh, their, their whole ESL qualifiers today yeah. and yesterday. And there's also like baseball going on and, you know, family stuff, you know, cause I don't, I don't just take off cause of school because school is more important, but um, I kind of sidetracked a bit, but. <laughs> Let me get back to the main question. No, school you're no, you're doing great. Keep talking. Uh, school, you know, school as a whole has uh, been really interesting this year because obviously it's all online, and mm-hmm. um, you know, having the camera on sometimes, like people's like, "What the heck is this? Like, what? How, how do you have this? Like, what is what is this? You're just a kid." <laughs> and uh, you know, some like have teachers losing connection and power outages, and like Wi-Fi is going out, and teachers being clueless to because like my teachers at my school they hate. The fact that like they're doing online school, they hate mm-hmm. it, and uh, I feel like that affects some of their teaching strike points and yeah. every day and whatnot. But yeah, they're not as enthused about it, so they're not giving no. it maybe that full effort. No, yeah, and and obviously that that adds to the point of like it doesn't feel like you're learning anything because they're not trying as hard or whatnot. I mean, most of them are probably trying a lot, but. It, it, it in the end it really just like feels like especially because like the last year it's the last stretch you know for mm-hmm. me until you know potential college and whatnot yada 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 but of year uh one through 12 it's the final year of that for me and in june i graduate which is kind of weird to think about um but it, it like it, it just hurts you know like i i, I want to pass <laughs> uh and there it's, it's been quite difficult because they don't even know when we would even go back in person. And I don't even know if I would go back in person because I'm a type one diabetic. So like, I, I mean, I'm at high risk and my entire family's at high risk. So like, I'm trying to keep my family safe and whatnot, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of rough, but. Yeah, I can, I can only imagine. I mean, I'm, I'm 27, so I don't have mm-hmm. to, I, I've just been dealing with work stuff, which <laughs> I can work from my laptop, whether it's in the office or here, it doesn't really affect my day that much. But my brother is graduating college uh, actually in December, and he mm-hmm. just found out a couple weeks ago that it will not be a live ceremony. He goes to school in South Carolina, so it was a little different uh, mm-hmm. as far as COVID strategies and stuff. So I feel bad for him. Like he doesn't get that, you know, he worked hard for his degree yeah, would- and he doesn't get his graduation. So it kind of sucks. And you're in a similar situation. Yeah, I don't even know. They have not said anything about, at least yet, of how they're even going to do it. If they're because I think last year they did, uh, in no four months ago for the prior class, I think they did like an online thing, but you could also go to the school and take a picture or something. I, I don't even know what they didn't even explain it properly, <laughs> and I, I, it, it would suck for sure. Uh, to not have a ceremony and whatnot, but I'm still getting the gown. Like to me, I'm still getting the gown and whatnot. And I feel like it would hurt a lot more if it was like, you know, college, like mm-hmm. you just said, your, your, uh, the other situation. I, I feel like it, cause like that's way harder. That, like, I feel that's, you know, that's way more stressful and way harder. Mm-hmm. I uh, mean, I'm, let's, let's, he's going for phys ed. It wasn't that hard, but yes, well, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, no, I know what you mean. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, maybe I shouldn't feel that way, but I should maybe feel a lot, you know, more excited about it. But, uh, I, I think I just want to like, at this point it's so like scuffed that I just want to get it over with, you know, you know what yeah. I mean? 
it, it's I don't know. It's rough. <laughs> what it's does rough. what does college look like for for you? Have you given it thought? Like obviously that now theoretically would impact streaming, would impact content creation. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's stuff that's still months away. But I mean, you got to start applying to schools. I'm oh, sure if you I haven't already. That. Yeah. So so what are you thinking? What's going on with that? Well, my whole my whole um like thought process has been I. I at least as of right now, I mean, obviously things can change in what, eight months. Um, I wanted to, because I've seen this year has been incredible for me on here, like on mm-hmm. the platform. I couldn't have asked for um, anything, you know, more than what I've gotten this year. I've gained 8,000 followers on Twitch, 3,000 on Twitter. And, you know, I've hit Twitch partnership, which I couldn't imagine, you know, it would have ever happened this year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that was one of my goals for the end of the cycle, like by March and I got it in September, which is just crazy to me. Um, you know, obviously there's been things that have been helping and whatnot and being in the CCL was a big part of that. Um, but I, it's just like, I, I never thought I would have been where I am right now. And this is a big passion to me. Like this is, a, this is like, this is what I want to do. Um, if I can, obviously there's you know, I have that backup plans and whatnot. Um, and I, I wanted to kind of take a year off of school, especially the way every it is right now. Like, I don't oh, know. It's, if it's, it's a mess be, right now. It's yeah. A mess. Yeah, like, yeah. I don't know if it's going to be online. I don't know. Cause I definitely want to not want to go in person, uh, especially if it's like to a whole new state or new area of my state. I currently I'm in that I've never been before or, you know, and I had to live there <laughs> and, Maybe I don't, maybe I lose interest to what I'm studying for, like halfway through it, you know, and I drop out. It's just like small little things I worry about that I just don't want to deal with. I think, you know, just Mm -hmm. going straight out of high school into it. I think that would just put so much stress on me that I would just bundle up into a ball and then cry myself to sleep every (laughs) night. Uh, So, I mean, my main plan basically off of that was to take a year off and kind of see and uh, reevaluate where things are going in, you know, in 2022, I guess, what, yeah, 2022, mm-hmm. uh, and just push what I'm doing on here just full time, you know, yeah. push it so hard and kind of just see where things go after that and, and see if, hey, maybe this is something I can do for mm-hmm. a living and whatnot, which would be insane, but hey, dude, we got dreams. <laughs> I think, honestly, that's an incredibly reasonable way to look at things. You know, people sometimes, if you say you're going to take a gap year, from the outside, people might criticize you like, oh, you're lazy, oh, you're this, oh, you're that. Mm-hmm. They're wrong. But also, yeah. the current climate gives you the perfect excuse to do that. You're like, listen, I'm at high risk. I don't know what the world's going to be like. I don't want to do my first semester or first two semesters of college at home, mm-hmm. virtually. So I'm just going to wait to see what happens. I think that's, I think that's a perfect play. Yeah. That, that's mainly my main reason. Like if, if none of this was going on, maybe I consider it more, but I mean, I think it's just the perfect, perfect, uh, I think you say excuse to just push this full time, which is going great right now um, to see where things go. You know I mean? Mm-hmm. The sky's the limit, honestly. Like, yeah. And you set yourself up to, you know, like you said, you've already been doing so well, even better than you anticipated. You could set yourself up to pay for college with that gap year or yeah, at least, maybe. or at least like, come real close, you know, like yeah. that'd be awesome. Yeah. I mean, that, that would be crazy. You know, like, I, I mean, I don't know, man. I mean, you never really know. It's just kind of just see where it goes. 
mm-hmm. you know. And so the one more thing I want to talk to you about, you're my third guest. Um, when I talk to Scuffy and I talk to Yayo, obviously big Mets and Red Sox fans. So I like to talk to my guests about their team. So I know you got, is that imagining a, a Bo Bichette jersey behind you? I know you're a Mariners yeah. guy, but that's Bichette. <laughs> yeah. um, so you're a Mariners guy and that's uh, rough. So I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> uh, I said basically the same thing to Scuffy. Outside of 2015, it's rough to be a Mets fan. Um, so the Mariners have in real life, I think a relatively exciting core, obviously pieces still missing. Mm -hmm. Every team has pieces missing, but like you could build around a Kyle Lewis, you've got players to work around. What do you, what do you think of the current state of the team? I think, uh, the current state of the year is, I mean, the team is actually pretty good. Uh, obviously we've missed the playoffs and an expansion, you know, expanded playoff year, which, I mean, isn't great, obviously, you know, adding on to the playoff drought. But that wasn't the goal this year. The goal was to, you know, build off of the young pieces and give them full playing time and see how they did. And, you know, the part of the core, like Kyle Lewis, he's probably going to win rookie of the year. I mean, I mean, that's because mostly because Lewis, uh, Robert had a really bad yeah, end of the year. Really rough September. Yeah, really, really bad. I think he had like a point, like not even a point one average, like mm-hmm. point, it was point zero something. And you know, that is probably why he's going to win rookie of the year just because he was more consistent, but he was great this year and he was better defensively than he was last year. He's raw. He robbed a couple homers. He robbed, he made some diving plays. Um, you also have guys like uh, Marco Gonzalez, who was amazing this year. He led the league in uh, K to walk ratio. He, I think he had a ERA below three almost. And he was just great. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also guys like Justice Sheffield, who was, one of the main pieces we got from uh, New York. My uh, Yankees, yeah. yeah. I, I am still on the fence about that trade because I have faith that Paxton will not shatter himself every time he toes the rubber. <laughs> but Justice Sheffield's got some potential, man. I was, I was a little upset to see him go. Yeah, he had a really good year this year. Like, he was a little rough last year, obviously, because he played half a season, you know, a little less than half a season coming up in, like, August or July um, last year. And, you know, he had some shining outings, like, against the Cubs. He had, like, 11 Ks or something. Not, I don't know, it was, like, 8 Ks in five innings or something like that. He was great. Mm-hmm. And then he also had outings against the Orioles, where he, uh, Orioles when he gave up, like, six runs in three innings. Like, he was rough last year, but he was really good this year. And Justin Dunn was also all right this year. He wasn't amazing, but mm-hmm. he was decent. You know, he showed some promise, and I think that's good. Uh, and next year, you also have guys like Mitch Hanager who's going to be coming back from injury next year probably started in right field. You also potentially have uh, Jared Kelnick, our number one prospect, top yep. 10 prospect in the MLB. Very exciting prospect. And yep. I mean, the outfield prospects in the, in the system are just absurd. I think in three, to, in three to five years, that outfield is going to be top five in baseball. Yeah, I mean, just insane. I mean, next year, I mean, it's probably, it's probably unlikely to have like a guy like Julio or Taylor Trammell up next year, maybe Taylor Trammell. Um, but you, you, the outfield could be, you know, next year, Jared Kelnick, Kyle Lewis, and my, Mitch Hanager. And it's a if pretty, Hanager, pretty damn good outfield. Yeah, and if yeah. Hanager's healthy, I mean, that, like, he was an all-star player in 2018. He was really good in 2018. And unfortunately, he was, he was a little bit hurt because of the injury. Unfortunate was, injury. Yeah, yep. I mean, it, we'll uh, leave it there. <laughs> yeah, we won't describe it, but unfortunate injury. But, yeah. Uh, which led to, like, back issues and whatnot, which he had this year, which he just couldn't play and didn't want to play obviously because of COVID and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But, I mean, if that outfield's healthy, I mean, in Kyle Seager, he had a good year last year. Like, he's getting paid a lot of money, but he's like that veteran leadership that you want on the team that mentors these young guys like J.P. Crawford and maybe, like, a Shed Long or whatnot. I mean, I'm not super confident in, like, Shed Long because he was pretty bad this year. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, anything can happen when you're rebuilding. And, uh, and who knows? I mean, DePoto wants to uh, go out and get three to four veteran relievers because – uh, he thinks that we could compete next year, especially. I mean, I mean, I would, I wouldn't put it past him. I mean, obviously, to the outside fan looking in, like <laughs> the Mariners competing, <laughs> like I mean, obviously, it's kind of, it'd be really hard to. Um, but I think with the situation with the AOS, I think it's a prime opportunity to because um, the A's just you know fumbled in the playoffs again. They may make some changes. They may not bring some people back. They uh, the Angels were really bad this year. They. Mm did not perform the expectations because they didn't get pitching. That's, I mean, that's why their general manager just got fired. So maybe even, even with Dylan Bundy suddenly becoming Jesus Christ, yeah, they still like, couldn't pitch. Yeah. yeah. I mean, still everyone else is horrible. And somehow that trade worked with Dylan Bundy. Like they gave up like four prospects for him and I laughed at that trade, but Hey, I, they he shut my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, and you know, and the Rangers are still the Rangers. Yeah. The so Rangers. That's were, not a threat. The Rangers were horrible this year. Oh yeah. And, I, I honestly, I thought, I mean, obviously part of it relies on the offense really being really bad, but Corey Kluber also got hurt like this first outing of the year. That would have helped. That, that would have helped at least every five days. Yeah. Um, so maybe they have six, seven more wins. I don't know how much that really moves the needle, but they're still bad. Yeah. And then they also didn't trade Lance Lynn, which was probably the worst move of the deadline. It Moronic. Yeah. He, like, I, Lance Lynn pitched for the Yankees a couple years ago and when they traded for him, I was like, what in the hell are you doing? Who, Lance Lynn? Like, come on. And he kind of rejuvenated himself and be, suddenly became a decent pitcher. Mm-hmm. But there's no way someone who only pumps fastballs should be that effective. I feel like his shelf life, like he's, he's right on the edge. I don't know. I mean, he, he continues to prove people wrong. So mm-hmm. I, I could very well also be wrong. I just don't have confidence in a guy with that repertoire continuing to pitch well. That's definitely fair. I mean, that's also more of a reason to, like, to get trade him out of there. Ex- like, exactly. I mean, the team is just not good. Like, honestly, like, Gallo had a really bad year, and pretty much everybody on the offensive side had a bad year. Like, mm-hmm. it was just not good. Maybe I think I think Guzman, Ronald Guzman, and I think Isaiah Kainer-Falefa had, like, a good year, barely. But, like, you, you who could have gotten legitimate, really good prospects from a yes. team like the Dodgers or – the Braves, or I think even, the Yankees would have traded for Lance. Yankees, yeah, I think like the Yankees would have gotten him back. Yeah, or yeah. just any team like the Twins, like the Twins, like could have gotten him back as well because mm-hmm. they need pitching help, and that's part of why. I mean, I think mostly their offense was kind of quiet in that playoff series, but uh, their end pitching ended up just choking it and not holding it together. Uh, and they could have used the Lance win, which was even just crazier. But the, mainly, I think like I think the Mariners could definitely be in that area where they're competing for the wild card next year. And if even the playoffs, especially if the playoff format remains the same, which mm-hmm. I don't know if they've, they've I hope, about I it. hope it doesn't. I, I hope it I, doesn't either, but I, I liked the kind of free for all aspect of the playoffs, but I, I still think there needs to be like some level of exclusivity yeah. to, to making the playoffs. I, I saw no problem with the former format. I understand why it was changed this year. Cause it had to have been, but I don't know mm-hmm. if that's a long-term fix. Yeah, I, I, I think this year with the way it was in a 60-game season, uh, I, I think uh, having a lot more teams be in the mix and in the running, that 
you know, may have not been in the mix in a full, you know, six, like 162 game season was, you know, a lot more exciting. Mm-hmm. But when you only have 60 games, it were only works for that. With over 162 game stretch, like, I mean, you, you just can't have that. I, I just don't think that works. Like, I don't know. I mean, who knows? I, I, we, may, we probably don't know anything. Like, we don't know if they're like, what if they do <laughs> well, it again, right? And if I know like, anything, it's that Rob Manfred will do anything possible to ruin baseball. So just whatever, true, whatever decisions true. he makes, it will be with the league's worst interests at heart. Um, you know, it, so the last thing here with the Mariners, Ken Griffey Jr. and Ichiro have been God squad members of the show teams. Obviously no Ichiro this year because they don't have the rights. Um, And I know Griffey wasn't necessarily your era of growing up as a fan. Griffey is my favorite baseball player of all time. The hat backwards comes from Ken Griffey Jr. That's why I do it. Even as a Yankees fan, even even though Ken Griffey Jr. hated the Yankees and wouldn't play for them. I just (laughs) love the way he played the game. I was a center fielder. So I love the way he just went about his business. Um, And he just had that, I hate using the word swag because it seems like it's a cop-out kind of word, but he really did. He played with that type of just mentality. Like I'm the best player on the field and I know it. And I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're all-time team Mariners guys when it comes to MLB The Show. Which all-time guys have we not gotten ever in MLB The Show for the Mariners that you'd like to see? Like I know we could talk mm-hmm. about, obviously, Edgar. Edgar Martinez is there. He's on the all-time team. Somehow Jay Buhner is in the game and makes the all-time team. Felix Hernandez is here. The Mariners, as not great as they are, have a pretty rich history of players. So I'm sure we're missing someone. I mean, I mean, you'd have to, like, find the fine line of, like, like they actually were really good for the team, and then yeah. they just played for them. <laughs> like, in 2000, we had Ricky Henderson play, I think, 40 games for us or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, 41 games, and hey, he's on the on the team. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, I think what will be fun, like, is similar to an Adam Dunn card, like a Richie Sexton card, which is maxed out power and no fielding or contact, would be so much fun to use in BR. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, <laughs> the big ones we don't have are obviously Randy Johnson, yep. Alex Rodriguez, and Adrian Beltre. I think would be the big three. Uh, Cause, dude, man, that, that's, that makes me sad thinking about it. Adrian Beltre. <laughs> we signed Adrian Beltre after 2004. His, his monster 2004 year where he had like 47 homers with the Dodgers. Uh, he, was a, he was an animal that year, yeah. Four, 48 homers with the Dodgers. And then we saw – like it was, it was one of the biggest free agent signings we've ever had in our history. <laughs> and we signed him for five years. And he, he puts up uh, OPS numbers of 716, 792, 802, 784, and 683. Which is wild because at the theoretical prime of his career, he's arguably the worst he ever was, and that's relative speaking. He was still a passable, more than passable player, but then he goes to Texas and is like this legendary third baseman. Yeah, and then he signed... Uh, and the Red Sox he did a year too, I think. Yeah, he signed with the Red Sox the after 2009, and in 2010, like, his OPS went up uh, about 220 <laughs> points. He went Unreal. a 19, 919 OPS with 49 doubles and 28 homers. I would Crazy. love an Adrian Beltre card because I feel like – He'd be so there, fun to use. I, I feel like there still aren't enough third basemen in this game. I'm, I'm a George Brett stan. George Brett is my third baseman for the rest of the year. I'm not moving him off the position. I love him. I understand Chipper Jones is probably the best guy now. Maybe Josh Donaldson. 
I don't have the stubs or the BR skill for either of them. <laughs> so George Brett's my dude, but I still think Beltre would be a lot of fun. Yeah, Beltre would be fun. Like it's been I, I really don't truly understand. I don't think any of the any of us who have had affiliation with SCS and you know, whether it be partners or in the CCL um or not, um, really know how they go about getting legends rights and whatnot. I mean, I think most, if you really think about it, you can get a decent understanding of like how they do it. Like they go out, uh, talk to the people who own the rights maybe, or, or the family, if they're deceased, mm-hmm. if, who they own the rights or this, maybe them themselves, like, and try to buy the rights. And obviously it's probably way more complicated than that. Uh, just like a basic, um, uh, explanation of it. Uh, Wait, what was I going to go with that? <laughs> no, you were oh, saying yeah. how they get the rights. No, yeah. yeah no, no, no. I, I remember. Okay, because I was talking about Adrian Beltre. Oh, yeah, I don't yeah. remember how long they usually wait to, like, try to – I don't know if they go after, like, rights immediately after people retire or mm-hmm. if they wait, like, a couple years. Because I know most people usually come back into the game if they, like, come back really fast, like, two to three years after they retire. And that would be the around the same time, you know, Beltre has been retired. Like we lost a lot of people in 18 Beltre, uh, Maurer and Utley, I think are the notable ones I can think of on the top of my head. Mm-hmm. I think well, when was a rod lost 17 or 16? He retired in 16. So, in so he wasn't in 17 then. Yeah. No. Yeah. And I'm still waiting like- on, I'm still waiting on Jeter just as a Yankees guy, he probably won't even be a good end game player because he has no power and can't field. But just <laughs> as a Yankee guy, I want to use Derek Jeter. No, I totally get that. I feel like guys like that and more mainstream guys, more, I mean, babe, like, don't get me wrong. Like Mickey Mantle and Babe Ruth are really exciting. Uh, have been really insane additions to add over the past couple of years and Willie Mays. But like a guy like Derek Jeter, I feel like would just sell way more copies because mm-hmm. Uh, especially if you make him like a big announcement prior to the game coming out. And yeah. We, we are honestly around like a week or two. I, I know it's close, man. It's, it's yeah. really close. I think it was October 20 something last year. We got the Baez reveal. Yeah. Um, you know who else would be a really fun card that I would never let out of my lineup? Alfonso Soriano. I don't care what he's rated. Yeah. He's one of my he's favorite fun. players of all time, even though he's really not amazing. He's, he's, he'd be so much fun to play with. Yeah, if you, we got that one year where he had the uh, the forty forty season. Yeah. Also, oh, if we got like a signature series of him or something like that, or a that w- or a prime card, it would be wild. Yeah, he'd he'd be fast. He'd have power. Like the worst fielder nice. in the game, though, hands down, to be the worst <laughs> fielder in the game. That's fine. That's you just you, don't worry about it. You hide him at second base or left field, and that's that. Just hit danger. It's all right. Yeah. <laughs> but I was trying to say with uh, the Derek Jeter thing, like with the the show potentially going to uh, cross platform. Well, not cross platform, but like multi-platform is the word. Yeah. Um, and uh, next year at the earliest, because I think a lot of people uh, also like misinterpret that, like the whole announcement to be like, Oh my God, it's going to be on Xbox next year. Like a hundred percent. The whole announcement was basically like getting rid of the exclusivity of it. going mm-hmm. Like just PlayStation. Like they may, like for the first year of the PS5, they may just keep it to PlayStation. You know, you we don't really know yet until that first trailer uh, comes out of like when they at the end it'll say like the you know the game what systems it'll be on yeah, yeah on the bottom and whatnot. Uh, which but I hope it's on Xbox. But you know people, I think people just got to remember that uh, they 
uh, never really like said that like is going to be on Xbox. But mm-hmm. my whole point with that is whenever it does go on Xbox and maybe the Switch as well, which would be really cool. You know, imagine playing the show. Really on cool. The go. Yes, yeah. it'd be so cool. Or like doing like uh, missions on the go, like moments. Like <laughs> if you write school, like doing content. <laughs> yes, yeah, so you can. So you can rage in public. Yeah. Yes, hundred <laughs> uh, percent. But the with that happening, the revenue for different departments are probably going to skyrocket. Uh, more so money to have, buy more rights. Yeah. Yeah. So they may get more and more legends each year. Like they have, I think they had thirty this year into the game, around thirty. I could imagine it being doubled or tripled by a year or two of it being on different platforms and well obviously it's gonna be hard to find new letters every year here but mm-hmm. uh to make it super exciting but i i think a guy like jeter and aaron and like hank, hank aaron and whatnot could definitely be possible within the next like two or three years yeah and i think uh yayo's big on the roberto clemente train and i clemente. i think he's a cover possibility next year um, even the one-off guys like Rob Dibble's not necessarily a legend, but he had a couple good years and look at the card he has. So even players mm-hmm. like that, that are kind of off the beaten path would work really well. Exactly. And Dibble's um, is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> he is. Uh, I can't hit him, but I can't hit many guys. So that's fine. Um, <laughs> all right. So Serenity, we went a little bit long here, but I think, I mean, this conversation was awesome, man. I oh, hope, yeah, for sure. I hope you enjoyed it. I really appreciate you coming on. Uh, just before I let you go, where can the people find you? I'm sure most of them already have found you, but if they haven't, where can they find you? Well, you can find me on twitch.tv slash hi, I'm Serenity. It's not him, as many people <laughs> think. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter on that same link and on the, uh, Instagram at hi, I'm Serenity. And uh, YouTube, I believe there's a hyperlink for it, uh, other than like the like all the random gibberish numbers. Uh, I believe it's uh, youtube.com slash serenityyt. I should be able to take you to my YouTube channel, which I'm super inconsistent on, but I'm working on it. Okay. I'm working on it. School's a, school's a uh, biatch. <laughs> uh, uh, go ahead. Uh, what were you going to say? It's fine. No, no, no. I was just going to laugh. <laughs> <laughs> um, and guys update from me before we sign off. I finally set up a nice big desk area here as you might be able to see on YouTube. Please ignore the hole I put in the wall back there. I'm going to cover that like it never happened um, pretty soon. <laughs> but this place, this corner will be my podcast game corner. Um, I've only ever posted interview videos, interview podcasts on YouTube, hoping, hoping to turn every episode into a YouTube video down the line. Not starting next week. I still don't have any of the capture cards or stuff I need. But that's the long-term plan for the channel and for the show. So we're trying to grow. I still have fun doing this just really for myself, talking to guys like Serenity. But uh, I appreciate everyone supporting. Um, follow hit me on like Twitter. You hit that oh. like button. Subscribe oh. if you guys are new. Uh, at the show, the pod, where we are on Twitter. Uh, we have a Patreon if you guys want to become a patron, support the boy, uh, help me pay for posters to cover the hole in my wall. Um, <laughs> so that's it. Episode 13 in the books. Serenity, thank you again, man. I will mm-hmm. talk to everybody next week. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Show, The Podcast. Be sure to follow the podcast on Twitter at The Show, The Pod for opinions, updates, and so much more. Become a patron at patreon.com slash the show, the podcast to support the show. For $5 a month, you'll get exclusive access to bonus interviews with MLB The Show content creators. For $10 a month, you'll get the bonus interviews plus the chance to play me in an online friendly each month you're a member. That's it for now. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, 
I'll see you at Shibit.